Welcome listeners to Assiduous Dust, episode number 13, home of the OTSCP on the Spot Collaborative Poem. I am super excited. Today we have with us Lauren Camp and Brianna Munoz. Let's get started, shall we? Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome listeners to Assiduous Dust. I'm your host. Joshua Corwin, you're in for a treat today for Assiduous Dust, episode number 12. Right now, we have Lauren Camp with us, and she had an exciting, awesome new book out, um, Took House with Tupelo Press, and I am so excited to have her on and to do, of course, the OTSCP On the Spot collaborative poem Listeners, for those of you who aren't familiar with Lauren Camp, she's the author of five books, most recently, of course, Took House, as mentioned, uh, which Publishers Weekly calls a stirring original collection. It's far more than that, in my opinion. Her poems, it's groovy beyond recollection. Her poems have appeared in the Los Angeles Review, Plotties, The American the Academy of American Poets, Poem a Day series, Poet Lore, Slice, Diagram, and other journals. Honors include the Dorset Prize, Fellowships from Black Earth Institute, and the Taft Nicholson Center, and finalist citations for the Arab American Book Award and the New Mexico-Arizona Book Award. Her work has been translated into many languages, among them Mandarin, Turkish, Uh, Spanish and Arabic. Ooh, I love Arabic. I've been told my handwriting has been confused with Arabic, and I write in English. Anyway, (laughs) in 2020, she she was selected to be one of 100 international artists for the 100 offerings of East, and one of 101 women storytellers for the, oh geez, I hope I get this name correctly, the Shehrazade Project. Uh, would you correct me on that, Lauren? Scheherazade. Scheherazade Project. Um, Lauren lives in New Mexico, where she teaches creative writing to people of all ages. Her website is www.laurencamp.com. We'll make sure at the very end to do a plug uh, also for her uh, lovely book and for her website and all her ongoing projects. Lauren, uh, it is an honor to have you here uh, today, wherever we are in time and space in the space-time continuum. So I wonder, is there is there something um, that you you haven't achieved that you haven't accomplished? Something that you would like to to have taken back? I'm sorry that that's I'm doing a little funny thing with took house that's that doesn't work. But anyways, is there something you haven't done? Um, I know that in the past I've asked people if they've done skydiving um, while writing a poem, uh, but I feel like that that's too unique. Have you have you done any like water skiing, water skiing, writing a poem, or anything that you're like looking forward to doing? Or I don't know what what what's next. 
Oh my goodness. I, uh, well, you know, I live in the desert, so, yeah. uh, water, the, water the, is the silly, <laughs> the silly answer. And then the, the serious answer. Okay. So water is hard to come by. Um, okay. there, I, I feel like there are lots of things I haven't done yet. Um, and that so often, um, the way that I make decisions is because someone asks me to do something and I say mm. yes to it. And then my immediate follow-up response to usually just to myself is, oh my goodness, how am I going to do that? And then I learn. So I'm sure there, there are dozens of things on that list of things I haven't yet done. And perhaps after this comes out, I'll start getting all kinds of weird requests that I'll have to um, learn how to do those things. <laughs> of course, of course, absolutely. Uh, I haven't even done skydiving yet. I think I did water skiing. I can't remember. But I do know that that um, you have an excellent book. And of course, but I, I know that, you know, that, that one thing that you mentioned in, in your response just there, you know, I know it's an intro thing, but, uh, but Really, we learn to do so much. And I find for me that that's the way is that oftentimes it's just, you know, to say yes, to go with certain opportunities and things and like, okay, I don't know where this is going to take me. I don't know how things are going to kind of turn out. But I do know that um, I don't need to know. I don't need to know. And I can kind of take it as things come. And I find that the best things in life kind of happen that way. And I wonder if you could kind of talk about, you know, for a lot of other individuals, because, you know, you've been honored and uh, so many, you know, women writers and other individuals, you know, look up to your work. And if they aren't looking up to your work, I think they ought to be. And I rarely use the term ought, but I think they ought to. <laughs> but uh, and so so kind of like take us on a journey. Let's paint a few different you know, perspectives of, or a few different like pictures or instances of like you and not only your process, but of, you know, working your way, because first off also Tupelo Press, that's an awesome place to be published uh, for a publication. It's top notch. It's great. And Took House is amazing. I just wonder if you could kind of walk us through, you know, your you know, where you were at when you were composing your first book and then versus and kind of like different scenes of like who you were as Lauren and then kind of, you know, how that changed. And then, you know, as you're going through and working on on this, your fifth book, your most recent book um, and kind of, you know, who you are now. And so, you know, to give a little snapshot. And I know that's a big question and that's a bit, but, you know, if we could frame some stuff around that, I think that'd be kind of cool so we can kind of look at the the progression as well as reflect. That's a wonderful question. And actually some things about my, my life and my activities have changed dramatically in the time from first book to this book. Um, I've been living in the same house in the same place. I live in the high desert of New Mexico. But aside from that, things have shifted quite a bit. When I was writing my first book, I was uh, I was writing it alongside and sort of in the 
in the little side spaces around being a professional visual artist, which I did full time for about 12 years. Um, that was my business. That was my identity. That was everything. And poetry was was very much alongside it. I, I didn't even exactly know I was doing it for a number of years. So that's where I started when my first book came out. And um, and then pretty quickly around that time, I began also uh, recording, doing, uh, producing and hosting a radio show for my local public radio station. So I was actively involved in both visual art and in music. And those two things, I, I generally say those two things are my, the biggest part of my education into poetry. That's yeah. what I carried and, and in. Music, and music and poetry, you know, I, I play the piano. I actually, you know, there's a funny story about that. I, I usually only play like the black keys or the white keys. I kind of, sometimes I joke that I can't mix them, but it, that's a terrible joke. But <laughs> I, I, but it's easier the black keys. It's more, more fun, honestly, but um you know, one day just, it made sense, but I also play the drums. I find also that there's, it's important to have this, um, there's a connection uh, between poetry and music that I think is very important. There's a rhythm, there's, you know, your work is very also lyrical, that you, you play with uh, sound as well. And I think it's so important to kind of drive that connection as looking at poetry as a, as a, as a form of music. Um, and, and similarly as uh, music, as, as, as a poetry. Yeah, I, I absolutely think so. And I think some of that, or maybe all of it happens intuitively. Like you don't have to think it through if you're used to listening to music or playing music. And depending on what genre of music you like, in my case, it was very much jazz. So I had a strong sense of improvisation and of um, maybe um, some rhythm and then some moving off of the rhythm, coming back to the rhythm, quoting other things. So jazz gave me such a foundation from which to write poems, um, from which to even just to listen to the lines I was writing and find the sounds that appealed to my ear. Right. And I also know that jazz is, you know, jazz is really important. I find like, uh, you know, what I'll do is I'll, I'll uh, uh, put on, who, who is it? Uh, particularly my go-to is uh, Miles Davis in a silent way. And okay. I'll compose a poem while doing that. I'll just write. And I find that that is something that is really um, just kind of gets me in the flow. There's something about it, like, there is a silence that kind of allows for things to flow. And I wonder, um, I don't know that I, I just totally relate. And I think jazz makes a lot of sense. There's so much um, rhythm and there's so much about jazz that really, particularly if you also look historically, um, lead up to, um, you know, with a lot of the beats and a lot of uh, individuals, I'm a big fan of the beats that, 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 um, sets the stage for for new um innovations in poetry and kind of changing the scene as well of what you can do with a poem and what is a poem yeah absolutely and i think the other thing about jazz is for me is that it's not predictable it's mm -hmm. it's not following a steady rhythm it's not going necessarily where you think it's going to go 
But I liked what you said about putting on Miles Davis in a silent way. Um, it makes me think that with my third book, uh, 100 Hungers, I was writing, in part, I was writing about my father's childhood in Baghdad, Iraq. Mm-hmm. And in order, it's a place I've never been and a place I, I can't fully understand bodily, physically. So one of the ways that I accessed it was uh, was through music. Mm-hmm. And um, and in that case, it wasn't jazz. It was oud music. It was music of um, of the Arab lands. And I wrote or revised or both to the sound of the oud so that my lines could have that sense of being of that culture. And that helped me quite a bit. Right. And it, it's interesting that, um, you know, it, it, you know, I was uh, talking for um, what was it for a previous episode? We had Brian Sonia Wallace uh, on and he talked about with uh, typewriters and different things. And, and you can kind of look at how we talked about how there's an entire history um, within the, uh, you know, with the typewriter or whatever medium you're using, but also with uh, whatever sounds or particular rarities of the poem or language, there's an entire history that really connects that you can be an entire study uh, or a course in and of itself. And you can find so much about who you are and your connections to these roots just by um, engaging and introspecting and allowing that process to kind of... Uh, fold and you don't know how it's going to come about it's unpredictable right right exactly i love that that appeals to me so much that unpredictability i don't want to i don't want to write something i already have figured out it it, it's too much work (laughs) Mm -hmm. so let's talk about more about you Uh, you know let's figure you out let me put my my shrink hat on Uh oh (laughs) (laughs) So, so going through, so we've talked about a bit from in book three. So kind of let's, let's talk us a bit about then that progression going more into, to Took House. Uh, and go, I also want to uh, mention about that you have also, um, I might ask you to read this, this poem later on, but, you know, you do something very interesting with uh, the form as well as uh, putting boxes of empty boxes. And that is something that particularly appeals to me. I definitely want to make sure I ask about that. But, you know, maybe it can also be this metaphor or theme of unpredictability and how you put yourself and you box yourself up and then you become a different person later. So let's kind of look at more the transition after your your third book um, and kind of like who Lauren is and, and what you're doing also with language and how that how that's influencing you you know, as your day to day, because you're a poet, you're, you're a writer, you're author, you're also a person. <laughs> Not that poets aren't people, um, but it's also important to kind of look at um, that I find, you know, how does your uh, everyday experience and like, you know, how that influences your process, as well as how you see the world through a poetic lens, whatever that means to you. And I know that's a huge question, but if you could just focus on whatever part of that question, I guess, makes sense to you right now, um, that'd be great. 
Okay. Um, the, yeah. I, the, the idea of, I, I like how you qualified that last part of being both how, how I'm a poet, but I'm also a person, but also how I'm a person seeing through the eyes of a poet, right? I, um, yes. I, I think both of those things, both both sides of looking at that are actually fit together. Mm. Um, Please do so, elaborate. <laughs> okay, so, well, I'll try. Um, okay. I, so I'm used to now from, from years of writing poems and reworking poems, I'm used to that effort of revision, of, of sort of building and taking down something. Uh, reshaping, coming at it's it from essential. a different place. It is. And it also has taught me patience. Mm. Not that I was, uh, not that I was impatient. I'm hesitating because sure I was impatient, but I wasn't impatient about we, everything. We all can be. <laughs> we all can be. Yeah. Yeah. But it taught me a kind of patience and a kind of uh, desire for effort, I guess, for craft for time that has been very useful in my in in my life in my day-to-dayness uh, so that's that how poet one way poetry has would you give an example of like uh, you know paint a picture of like a, a scenario in your day-to-dayness as you say that that kind of of this uh idea anything that comes to mind particularly yeah, I don't know if I can come up with you anything. Can, you can make it up. We wouldn't know. <laughs> no, that's fine. We'll never know. Uh, but, I, yeah. but, but it's the idea, like, with um, just with the different things I have to do in the day or the different the different ways I allow time to not be so packed in sometimes that just the patience of letting something so boxed in. evolve. Yeah. Um, and... I, you know, I don't like that feeling of being boxed in. I don't like. No, of course not. Yeah, I don't. I, I want so much to back be able to, to enjoy. Right. So, so there's that sense of um, a, a kind of a more open-endedness, a not knowing where you're you're getting to, and allowing that the first my first response to something, which is sometimes let's say emails, is huh. not the right <laughs> the right response. Um, so that's one example. Uh, on the other side of the question, um, how did I, as a person, well, I think I've, I think I've a little bit, I um, already addressed this in that uh, the visual art and the music influenced my poetry, but I would also say my location, where I've chosen to make my home and my adult life, um, here in the desert has also greatly influenced my poetry. I write about, I, I, I write a lot about where I am. Uh, and if I go somewhere else, I write about that somewhere else too. I'm extremely influenced or interested in place and what it does mm. to my seeing and experiencing things. Yeah. I happen to have this, this book cause it was uh, for something. So I, I studied at, uh, Pitzer College and I, I took a class on uh, relearning uh, love of the land and, or something like that and 
I remember this book, I actually didn't read the whole book, you know, don't tell the professor I graduated, you know, a while ago, but being together in place, you know, indigenous coexistence in a more than human world. I, I just have it for some reason. I don't know why. I guess I had it here. I used it for an earlier OTSCP, uh, which we'll get to, of course, at the end. But there's this emphasis on looking at place in a different, um, you know, a different importance. And it, in fact, that place becomes more central with story in a lot of different cultures. Um, uh, and, and it's interesting because also you're the same, you've lived in the same place, but you're a different person and yet your relationship to where you're in is different. And in fact, that shapes the way you look, you perceive the world, you perceive the way you are part of the house and you are part of home and you're taking yourself apart and you're putting yourself back together and you're finding out what's inside these empty boxes. Right. And, you, and you, in a way you get to create the narrative, but you also get to learn that, you know, in a way you're not in control of the narrative, just like, and this transcends just for poetry. I, maybe life is poetry, but we're not in control of a lot of what's going. We, we aren't, but I guess the perspective and attitude of what we want to do about it, we do have control. We do have control over that. We have control over, like you say, to say when certain opportunities that are scary or whatnot arise, we can say yes. Yeah, I, I think, I think about the boxes, for example, where you say I'm finding out what's in the boxes. I'm also sometimes filling those boxes with what I want in there. Mm. I'm I'm shaping the narrative. I'm I'm figuring out the narrative. I'm getting pulled along to see what the narrative is. I mean, all of these different uh, verbs, actions are are coming into play all at the same time. And they're all lessons. They're all like they're all life lessons, aren't they? Um, yeah, and that's what patience, I think, also comes in. Maybe that's one of the examples that you were talking about is, you know, uh, also like when you look at, at words or different things and you break it down, you, you know, you do have more appreciate. Ah, that's another thing. Appreciation or gratitude and patience. Look at what you have and then kind of look at it in a new light and also put something else in there, you know, to appreciate um you know, the, the, the stillness of a riverbank or something for me, I like to go to the parks. I live in Santa Monica, California. It's beautiful. And there's so many parks and I, I can just appreciate and it, where somebody might find, you know, this, you know, a, a homeless individual is, is, you know, ranting or whatever. And you can find beauty in these things. You can find beauty in it and that there's a noise to this. There's a beauty, a rhythm to the sound you know, going back to rhythm of somebody putting in, you know, can and just crunching it and taking it out from the trash can. And there's a certain formula going on that's really fascinating. I don't know why I went into that, but uh, yeah. Well, it brings up something else for me, something connected to that, which is a kind of witnessing, a kind mm -hmm. of as as you but were you're talking removed from the experience, but you're part of it. But you're a part of it. And and as you were talking, I was also thinking of that saying, be here now. Do you know that? Yes. Be here and now. I also, I, in fact, I'm a big fan of uh, of Ram Dass as well. Uh, okay. 
and he has he had this teacher that that would say you know he would go about and he he traveled i don't know if you're familiar too much with ram das um some uh, yeah yeah he's he, he had this thing where he would be going out one traveled to india and he's like this dude that's just like well what about this when am i going to meet this and he's like just be here now um and yeah. if I, it, if, and I, it, this isn't a, that isn't a saying that I have ever really thought about before this uh, conversation we're having, but well, every word of that makes sense to me. And I think every word of it is what I'm, what I do in general, like to be, to exist, to, um, to, to interact with whatever's going on around me here. And I, I am. I'm. I am here wherever here is at the time that I'm writing. And now, like, what is happening around me now? And all three of those things put together feel like, kind of like, um, how I see the world. Yeah. And it, when you, and in a way, you know, I find for me that I, I think activism and also that poetry is a form of service. You know. And you, you, you can, what you can do is through poetry is a way of, uh, you know, a poem is a form of a story in a way using different language to kind of be like, what do you see? And how do I want to um, witness what's mm -hmm. going on? But sometimes it doesn't have to be physical but it can also be the place that is inside of me because my mind is also a place of sorts. Right. Right. So yeah, your choice of what to witness or your, um, whether it's a choice or not is, is part of what you can access in your writing. Absolutely. So I wonder if you would, um, read, uh, something from about, uh, about, uh, witnessing. Um, and about that's one of your uh, uh, pieces. Uh, it could be from Took House or something that particularly comes to mind, uh, given this light of this conversation. And would you, oh, I have to say it in a, a funny way, would you poetryize it? Would you read us a poem? Brian Sonia Wallace has, uh, who is on for the two episodes ago. Uh, he, 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 he likes using the term saying sometimes poetry to, to, to make sure that we add some humor into it so that we don't bit, so that we don't think that we're, we're, we need to do things perfectly. OK, um, uh, yeah, I will read you. So in Took House, there are several poems about um, about birds of prey. And I think I'm going to read you one of those because that is about witness, witnessing, um, and what I attend to. This poem is called Great Horned Owl. It is almost time. Where the owl sits, a scrawled moon glorifies his back. The horizon has become trees in a line, the lines inside a din of winter. He assumes the yellow-eyed stare of the ravenous. His stuttering call drops from snags and ledges. Now the owl's cloak of gray vaults the road. We can hardly breathe such bracing. We know what it is to pursue prey, to be pursued, to offer others our softest feathers. 
The bird rides the clean, dry, cold to another movement. Another sees in the ghostly night. At the dinner table, we listen to the ripping. The grip is fierce, finished. The owl rests, sovereign, and we do not want to see. Ooh, that is, that is, that's like silence on a riverbank right there. Thank you. It's so mm-hmm. groovy. And there's so much, uh, there's a, uh, a line in there. What was it? The yellow, the yellow eyed, remember this? Stare, the yellow eyed yeah. stare. And, you know, it's interesting. I, I think it felt like, the, you know, there was a car coming by or a truck or something. There's this really interesting move in the recording. I'm not sure. Hopefully listeners can hear it or they can go back to listen to it. Um, right after you said ripping, that was really interesting. And I feel like caught on with this idea that we're kind of like tearing things apart and yet we're part of it. And I don't know, you know, let's let's just what was going through your mind when you, um, you know, let's let's talk about the process and kind of like dissect. Let's rip this piece apart, but in a good way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I hope in a good way um, and kind of um, like where were you when you particularly like let's let's talk about um, and who who's the owl? The owl is actually an owl, um, is actually, yeah, uh, it, but it is also, but it is also this other storyline running through the book Mm -hmm. of, um, there's like, there's like a, there's a relationship going on through the book between, Mm -hmm. between a few people. And so there's that predator uh, quality of the relationship. Uh, I'm not totally specific within the book so the the owl right but there are allusions you know right yeah right so the owl the owl there's also coyote there's also a couple of different kinds of hawks uh eagle there like i particularly picked uh birds of prey i didn't pick but they gentler birds i you know symbolism there of course because you're describing this beautiful landscape and you're you're describing this beautiful landscape necessarily but witnessing and different you know observing and kind of reflecting and and then there's these things that are majestic birds of prey um that you know that kind of soar away or kind of rip into uh, the fabric, and I feel like that—that's that. that there, I I thought felt that there's a symbolism going on there with regard to life, and perhaps maybe this is something that I read into that I read into, and it'll be an analysis for universities or whatnot, or who knows what. But but I, I, is there something going on there? There, the majestic's a terrific word, and also I think. Um, so so it's it's mirroring the relationship, but it is showing at the same time a very different side because birds of prey do what they need to to survive. It's a it's not um, it's not having power over someone else for personal gain or for it. They just they do what 
they they have to do, as does every other critter I see outside. As an organism that's a living, breathing organism that's part of our ecosystem and part of our world. Exactly. Exactly. And so in that way, it's completely different from a person to person relationship Mm -hmm. where there's all these, you know, uh, power plays and different things. And and so in a way, can we kind of like learn from from these uh, majestic, I guess, uh, creatures and there is majesty in that that is something to live up to and something to acknowledge something like it these poems the birds of prey poems were such a pleasure to write I mm. I oh paint us a picture well For- when I decided that I wanted to include some poems on this theme I had to do a whole lot of research which which I was completely ready for. I was like, okay, I need to learn more about birds of prey. I can't think of a better way to do it than to. And um, do you usually do research? Because that's the thing, because a lot of listeners think, oh, wait, research? I'm writing poetry, you know, of course. And just, you know, kind of it's something that, you know, your relationship with this as well. If you can touch on while you're while you're answering this question, apologies for the interruption. Oh, that's okay. I think I think actually. I usually do research. Um, I, it gave me a chance to think about it because um, in some cases, some some things I'm going back to, like in my childhood, perhaps don't require research. They require a sort of effort at remembering. But but a number of the like in the last three books, I would say each of those books had elements that required a great amount of research. And that was each time. That's a pleasure. I, you know, I was I, I I was a great student. I loved learning things and I still do. And now that I'm out of school, long out of school, I still really love learning. So if there's an opportunity, and you get to pick it. yeah, you get to decide what you want to learn. And so if there's an opportunity for me to learn something that I'm curious about, I'm going to I'm in. Why not? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I found that I would want to learn in in school. A lot of the times it's like, well, let me skip a class or two, particularly senior year at college. And, uh, uh, you know, these these grassy mounds and I'm like, have all these papers out. And I'm like, I'm just going to read these articles that aren't assigned because, you know, why not? I'm I'm a badass. (laughs) <laughs> no, but but because there's something I was intrigued to learn about that maybe a professor mentioned, but it's not in the science stuff. And I'm like, this is cool. And maybe I can apply it in my life or bring it in, you know, and that's the thing. And you 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 get to bring these things in to your writing and have it chip and shaped and you get to learn cool facts. Cool, exactly. Cool things. And and I think I think especially when it's driven by your own my own your own curiosity we learn better. I mean mm. it's true for me anyway um, because oh, I want to drive. It, you know you, you're gonna get nowhere. Right, right. I mean a professor can tell you what to learn, but you're gonna learn the parts of that that are intriguing to you, especially. So so the birds of prey poems were 
we're we're just a delight. I I know that sounds crazy because they're not bright at all, but I I'm good with that. I don't I I in my life I'm not dark, but I don't mind at all being dark in the poems. So, um so this was just an absolute oh, I like delight to, say to that, do. I like to say that smart minds think alike and that dark minds think alike. <laughs> nice. To, to continue about that, about how you're you're such a dark individual and and gloomy. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Um, and that's that's the curious thing is that I really am not, but I think that I think that it has always helped me to have creative outlets for anything. And the the times I work best are generally when something is not quite uh, comfortable. Not always, mm. but. It gives you this, you know, there's something about being vulnerable, but also not just vulnerable. It's uh, raw, raw mm-hmm. is the mm-hmm. raw is the word uh, is the term I'm looking for that there's this raw feeling that maybe there's vulnerability that comes from it, but also of something not being fully complete, but also. Um, being a, enough yet a yearning for more and and a yearning to where it's almost uncomfortable to kind of sit with it but because for example like you know you listen to silence um you know you know i was listening to alan watts the other night i listened to him after i say the shema uh pretty more or less every night for the last two three years before i go to bed (laughs) Nice. You know, yeah, I'm Jewish, by the way. Yeah. And, 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 you know, he said something, you know, if I was going to give a a real Zen, you know, lectures and talk uh, for one of the things on YouTube, you know, I, you know, I just sit here and we'd all be silent, but I think silent, but I think you guys would be, um, you guys wouldn't dig that. So, um, well, I mean, what I've learned and I learned it in this book and I learned it, I've learned it over and over is that we fill that silence, all of us with different things, right? Or we, f- we find things to fill it with, or it is filled. And either way, that silence would be different for each of us. Right. Absolutely. And in kind of a way, um, the sound is also these boxes that you kind of, you, you have around the house, around wherever, around your, um, you're even your mind, you know, um, and you're in some place that you're, you are embedded in and we kind of fill it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. So, so I, I wonder if you could kind of talk about how, um, first off, how you kind of got involved, you know, let's kind of like circle back here. Um, you know, with the, you know, you being selected for the uh, 100 international artists, uh, being one of those for the 100 offerings of peace. And what was that like? You know, that's a recent thing. And, you know, uh, and for and how you, um, you know, what was the expression? Let's kind of do some reflection or kind of like, of your face, uh, you know, what did it look like? Was there a big smile? 
Um, sorry, I might be being joshing a bit, <laughs> but uh, and also kind of where you look back, um, you know, if you imagine like you know you teach to individuals. I, I teach to I'm a new teacher for um, autistic addicts in recovery um, and neurodiverse individuals. And you when you somebody gets it and kind of you know let's reflect also on your teachers and kind of your mentors, um, and you know you know how you know, who are, would you say, are some of your mentors or individuals that kind of, you know, like, as soon as you heard about when a success happens, or let's just say something like this, particularly where you're like, my God, this happened. I want to, I want to, who are those individuals? And, you know, how important is it for you to have a community, um, you know, a writing community, or to be able to share your successes, or to be able to learn your craft, not just because we've talked a lot about you and your progression as an individual working alone, but also, um, you know, with others, what, what is your process like and who do you go to? Um, I know this is a big giant question, just like one aspect or two aspects of this question would be really interesting if you could, um, offer some insight. I like being part of a community. Uh, I like the idea of that better than, uh, better than I think than I have the follow through for it, to be honest. Um, I, I work very much and I've been thinking about this lately. I, I have, I guess for much of my life worked very much sort of in, um, in my, my own small sphere. Not that I have total faith in what I'm doing by any means. I just have learned from the time I was a young girl that if I, if, if what I'm listening for is my sense of what's okay, um, then I will work towards that. And it's important for me to hear that before I hear someone else's sense of, of where a piece should be, whether it's a visual art piece or or a poem or whatever, I have to, I have to meet my demands for it first. And I have a lot of demands for things. Yeah, I, I'm um, a perfectionist uh, as well. So you understand. Yes, and that perfectionism, yeah, and that perfectionism, which I, I don't have in all ways, but that, that need for it to be the way you want it to be, um, is, is enough of a drive for me that usually that's consuming. So, I love the idea of having a community and more than having, I, I wish I knew how to say this in a way that, that felt more. You can sing it. Right. Somehow. But <laughs> I'm, but I, I guess I'm, I'm, I love the idea of having a community. And I keep saying that because I like cheering people on. I like supporting people. It, uplift is so important, especially in the times in which we find ourselves today. Oh yeah, absolutely. I um and and right now in these isolating times, community is really important, and the ways you can get it are incredibly important. But um, but I find that so if something good happens, I'm I may go onto social media and say it. Um, I will certainly tell my husband, who is my biggest support network. Aww. And um, and after that, I might just be pleased for a moment and then move on to the next thing, 
because it's already whatever that thing is, it's usually already completed. So in a way, it's just the momentary pleasure of having validation for it. And then I'm back to the to the actual work of whatever the thing is I'm working on. Does that make sense? Yes, it really does. And you bring up a really great point about, uh, you know, because I can find, hey, I can be an egotistical asshole sometimes. I'm sure we all can. Mm -hmm. um, you know, whoever all is, I've heard all has been mentioned a lot by people. I'm still looking for a person named all, but <laughs> no, but, but, you know, uh, in all this seriousness, you know, I can come from this place of, oh, wow, look at me. And it's like, who am I trying to please? Really, am I trying to find, please myself? And it's like, if what, if I do that, I'm going to be, you know, kind of going back to boxes. I'm going to be, you know, looking for something and seeking something of an infinite stack of boxes and trying to reach in and I'm going to find myself boxed in by my own being. And, and it, you know, it's like, you know, I've appreciated it and there's a sense of balance and then I can, I can move on to the next thing. And, you know, it, it's interesting. You had something, an interesting use of the word movement in the poem that you shared with us. Um, I don't know if you, the line, there was something about, and there was movement or I can't remember, but oy, oy, Bazemere. I wish I remembered exactly. <laughs> But uh, are, are you looking for it? Or? <laughs> yeah, it's um, the line is the bird rides the clean, dry, cold to another movement, another seas in the ghostly night. Exactly. That's the one. And, you know, our work is that ghostly night. Our emotions are, you know, all these things that are they're human. Um I think yeah. I think also that the creative arts are um, well a lot of things, but I guess in relative to this idea of ego, um, the the literary uh, landscape of poetry is extremely humbling. You can't be on top. Um, <laughs> you know, like you there there isn't an on top, and you know people we need. I feel like we need a lot of poets doing their thing in a lot of different ways in order to reach many more people. Like, I don't want it people to be all just me. Also, Right. And so we need your voice. We need my voice. We need as many voices as possible uh, reaching out to other people because your voice is going to touch some people that my voice can't or my poems can't. And so it's and it's a it's like a. Um, a balancing of, I don't want, I don't want everything good to happen to me. I mean, I'm sure I'm going to be very hmm. sorry I said this, but, <laughs> uh -oh. but, uh, but I want good things to happen for a lot of people. I want to see lots of work. Yeah. And, you know, I found for me, you know, I'll share an experience that, you know, I once, I don't know why this comes to mind, but I think that also sometimes the things that we thought weren't good end up being also, maybe this is a little different take, the best things that ever happened to us. For example, I ended up, uh, I remember, I so I graduated about a little over a year or so ago from, from college. So that's uh, been a big thing still 
haunts me to this day, um, I guess. <laughs> but but I remember that I got an 18 out of 100 on a cognitive neuroscience. I studied math and philosophy, actually. But but um, exam, and I, 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 it was the worst score uh, I had ever received. And then you have the midterm, the final, and maybe a paper. And so it's for the midterm. And I'm, I did all this work. But in fact, that ended up being the best thing for me because it forced me to study to pass the final two particular systems or two particular things related uh, in the brain that happened to be exactly what I needed later for a thesis project to connect it back to my experience in a really beautiful way. So I don't think if I hadn't gotten such a good, you know, if I didn't do poorly, that opportunity wouldn't have happened and to create something new. Also, I think that's probably um, some of what you learned in having to work harder will stick with you a whole lot longer, will matter to you for for years, probably. And so in a lot of ways, those harder things are worth exploring or worth there's a lot in there that's useful. Those vulnerable times, those those dark times, those hard times, there's a lot in those times. So I wonder if you would be willing to um, to uh, take us back to a place uh, of the dark night of the soul, so to speak, of your uh, with you know, from uh, a poem, you know, not necessarily, uh, maybe from uh, one of your other, from one of your other books that, or it could be something you're working on or whatnot that pertains to um, being vulnerable about one of the hard times and finding solace in it. I don't know if this... It, it doesn't it, have to fit precisely. Um, okay. You know, I, um, I'm this is you. <laughs> All right. I don't uh, mind. Grace. And our listeners, they're they're <laughs> what they're doing is they're 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 checking off, you know, multiple choice, and you know they they get to or write in. They're doing write ins of uh, write in ballots of grades, you know. Oh, okay. Good. Actually, yeah. this is this is equally dark and maybe maybe light lighter at the same Ooh. time. Yeah. Um, I'm intrigued. Yeah. Um, well, it's a pandemic poem, um, a, a poem that I wrote about looking at where we were, where we are. I think it's still quite accurate. Um, and so I'll just read it. It's called Threshold. Because to move into any map or with crowds through light is not possible. I've been writing letters to random numbers and putting them in the mailbox without touching it, sliding them stiff to a narrow dark slot to go through ether to celebrate a connection. Because to send them is to face someone else. We are all every shade of the past sense of future and we can't be in a line or a labyrinth together. Someone sends me a book, sends me a movie, 
because each of my letters begins in doubt and is a retelling of best days, because a nervous system needs the air of love that is people. I put clouds in my letters. They fold out to circles. The night leaves its shoulder on my portal while I wrap blue ink to say another familiar, a songbird, a dream. Everyone is desperate for missed calls and gathered pleasures. Everything is the desert. Look up. The sky put up its moons and we stand in the middle, see them grow ears. We miss showing up late and ordering chili, but the used to world is a terror. So we scrutinize spring, which comes with its greedy heart, its buds and pink. There's a cottonwood on my road leaning over and I duck under as I walk to the mailbox. Who knows how long we'll need this kind of repair in reverse. The wind is sorting its lesson, but I move into the guitar and roam of it because it doesn't know parting, it's strumming the wide expanse of road. And so what I'm missing much, I am lucky. Wow, I thank you so much. Snap, 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 clap, clap, <laughs> clap. I'm, that is an excellent, is that, is that, where, where is that published? It's published in our uh, phenomenal uh, Santa Fe, New Mexican newspaper. Uh, no, please as, do, please do a plug for it. For those, yeah. The um, it's our weekend section, which is just a gorgeous section of what there is to do during during the weekends, and there's a lot in Santa Fe. And the paper is called Pasatiempo, and it's available online, so people can look for it. The poem's called Threshold. Threshold in pa so Pasatiempo. Pasatiempo. Mm -hmm. Terrific, terrific. Yeah, and there's there's so much there that's fascinating, and I find that, you know, it, it's uh, what I love is that you didn't even use the word pandemic really. I don't think you used that at once. No. Uh, and and that's the thing. Another thing that um a lot of times that you can write about something by working around it, by working the metaphor around something, and you know, just as you would uh you know, the clouds in the sky kind of work around themselves and become circles. And that makes me think of an Enso, uh, which is, uh, it's kind of, you have this thing that's drawn in, uh, I believe, I hope, in, in, you know, in minimalist, in Zen minimalism, I think of some type of thing. You kind of, it's kind of this, this circle that's of this brushstroke, but it's not completely closed. Sometimes oh, yeah. it's closed. Sometimes it's closed, but sometimes it's imperfect and it's not. And it kind of resembles this thing, and it's kind of like you know, you have the sky. It's this Enso, and it makes me think of that. Um, and things kind of come around, but they don't necessarily. Well, it's also if um, if I go back to this is now messing with your beautiful uh, acknowledgement of my metaphor of a circle or clouds. But if I go back to the <laughs> idea of boxes. If I say the pandemic, I am boxing this in. And if I don't, I'm leaving it open for my own work of trying to figure out, like the pandemic is just, it's too easy to say that and everyone knows immediately. Yeah, I, I would rather witness it in a new way, fill the box with something new and give it to you. 
a pandemic. Pandemic. Yeah, it's it's a pandemic of pens. <laughs> Maybe not. That that's too silly. I'll I'll put a pen in it. Okay. Yeah. Um. So I wondered. I just. Uh, would you, um, Lauren? Would you be interested in um doing? And this is this is uh. And. A silence that isn't silent as I stare at the ant and roach raid uh, raid can that I used for termites and ants that were here and uh, find myself flubbing up on a long winded sentence and be in place together with me to do our lovely segment that is the OTSCP on collaborative poem. Um, I am ready. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I find that I, I'll, I'm hoping that one day people will just give weird different things. I think in a past time I mentioned for Jendi, uh, a writer, I, I mentioned, uh, you know, would you engage with me in the scenario that is somebody like on a, a motorcycle treading on water but not falling in and with a handlebar mustache and a speedo driving on the 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 water freeway to the OTSCP that was a good one but I'm hoping for others to eventually like be like I've had enough with these silly lead-ins this is what (laughs) I suggest and I'd be like yes that'd be great so that's something I'm looking forward to uh one day maybe you'll be somebody with the speedo um and the handlebar mustache but uh, maybe I will be <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah so <laughs> that, well it'll be so my hard. first time yeah it'll be my first time with a handlebar mustache so that could be yeah, fun <laughs> absolutely you know you gotta send me a picture so the name of the game for listeners for the OTSCP what we do uh I have a few books laid out and Lauren has a few books laid out. And uh, first uh, what we're going to do is we're going to read the names and, and um, you know, the authors and titles of each, each work. And then, you know, for me, I like to say the page numbers you can, if you want to, and then wherever our eyes go, um, you know, I see a word, like I see a woman, a woman's on one page. And then I see, such emphasis on another, and then I see conversations, uh, and then I see KPFK, so I kind of string them together, and we go back and forth. That's just one example, and it either becomes a masterpiece or a masterpiece, so uh, <laughs> we'll see what happens, but, you know, listeners, you can do that. You just, you can do it with your friends, socially distanced at a park or whatnot, or in the middle of the desert, or at Lauren Camp's house. Yeah, she, she would love it if you joined. Of course, socially distanced. You can be on a plane and just fly over and do that with her. <laughs> uh, you, can, you, can, you can send me the info to your address so I can post it on, on, on for everybody to see on social media later on. Maybe not. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> That's terrible. But, but um, you know, you can, you can engage because I think this is a really cool form of 
uh, a cool groovy way to do uh, and kind of on the spot uh, collaborative found poem. And I hope others will engage in it. And maybe you'll, and I look forward to engaging in this now with you, Lauren. Would you go ahead and read us the, you know, uh, the books that you have uh, out today? Sure. I have four things out. I have an anthology of New Mexico poets, and I have it open to a page with a poem by Carol Muldow. Okay. I and have, what's the title of the anthology? It's called In Company. Okay. Awesome. Yes. Um, I have an issue of The New Yorker okay. from January 27 of this year. And I have it open to the fiction in the issue, which okay. is the title of the story is You Will Never Be Forgotten. I didn't read the story, but I have it. What uh, was that again? <laughs> I didn't read okay. the story, but. <laughs> okay. No, no, because it was a joke on you'd never be forgotten, but okay. <laughs> I, I, yeah. Um, I have a, um, a collection of Nadine Gordimer's stories. Oh, and lovely. The story that I have open is Friday's Footprint. And I have Barbara Kingsolver's The Lacuna, page 198 to 199. Terrific. Okay, so what I have out is I have, I'll give me a quick second, um, American Poets. So the Journal of the Academy of American Poets. So this is the spring, summer 2014 issue, uh, volume 46. Um, so I have it out to, uh, I'm going to butcher this person's name. It's, uh, page 16 and 17. So it's the first two pages of, uh, before the avant-garde by Joanna, Joanna Kwok, Kwok. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. I have Triggering Town, the Triggering Town out. Oh, yes, nice. Yes. Yeah. Um. Richard uh, Hugo, I actually never finished reading it. Um, so I have it's that. It's good. Of, you should. Yeah, I know. I, <laughs> I'm not sure why. I was actually moving when, and I, I stopped, and I actually kind of just found it again. So that's 42 and 43. And I have out Neurologic, which is a really interesting book by, by, uh, by Eliezer, uh, J, Dr. Um, Eliezer J., uh, Sternberg. So it's neurologic, the brain's hidden rationale behind our irrational behavior. So to pages 132 and 133. And the last book I have out is Ellen Mabey's um, The Cowardice of Amnesia. And I have it out to um, the science poem. So it's the second and third page of science poem on pages 44 and 45. Okie dokie. So again, we're all set with the rules. Um, and let's just have fun with it. And would you like to begin? Sure. All right, you ready? As I'll ever be, Freddie. Okay. Was it the ruined, thick, important lecture hall where she said to him, 
Very often, of course. Intemperance in the kitchen is not dramatic. Often the opposition travels upward. He says God loves a Roman Catholic conception equal. As if he were lonely since he moved continually without a sound and a crackle of digging in the imperfect. People, idiot wind, Dylan on TV, in the yellow avant-garde before a woman's virtues. But to worry the positive told with warnings, she constantly kept in the past anything great. Burned up, drowning, fly would be no longer an old man so dead the end of sky uh, the bitter strolls in settling on a retirement community the solid fleshed bone and carefully spoken minutes. Love is love. We remain in other rooms drowning, postal homicide, some sort of weird, like bosses identical, contact divine, a deep love of hyper-religiosity Sedan, he was violently the leaves. Still, it's nice to be unsure. Bumping against them behind the curtains. Tremendous dreams. Await its supply listening to that same area, heavenly, which the moment is an almanac rippling the disturbance of dawn horses so old at sunrise in your eyes. Groove memories. Refuse to deem themselves out of school. 
And then imagination falls out always with desires. Give up a story. No longer we remain smug or writing better than all the young who elude me with the swallows of stanza, beautiful, ever expanding epilepsy. We lose back lots. while we start real details nearly in whom the cricket, the territory, guilt, and opinion explain why the experience? You want to shout, smash intact the haves and have nots with numbers. The ego gets science and says, Wow, an MRI, EEG lifts, leaves cold, that room of fishing, the bridge we follow. Sometimes after last week, a spare key, one morning, as if by appointment. Oysters rustling in her pockets. And oddly, a power. All conception is created. I think that's our ending. Yeah, that's a good ending. I was just about <laughs> to say, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Well, that was fun. Yeah, and it, what I'll do, and listeners, you can feel free to check out uh, Lauren Camp's uh, work, please be sure to purchase Took House. I'll also put out, um, I will type up this, uh, the OTSCP. I make sure no insertions of words or deletions and send it to you. You could share with the world or you could keep in a hidden safe or in the vault of your own place in your own mind. Um, I'm putting together an anthology of, of these, uh, hopefully, you know, love you to be in it. Um, but yeah, it's been an honor and a pleasure. And, you know, would you please again share where people can uh, find your work? 
Um, I know you have your, your website, uh, uh, com. Where can people find you? Um, you know, Facebook, Instagram, social, uh, social media, and be able to purchase uh, Took House as well as your other work. So I am available on all those social media platforms. I use Facebook better than the others. And uh, my website has a contact page. Also, another good place to buy Took House, if you're not buying a signed copy from me, is directly from the publisher, Tupelo Press. Terrific. Okay. And that's just, you just type in Tupelo Press and... I think it's, yeah, I think Google would just pop it up, but I think it's tupelopress.org. I'm just not positive. Uh, .org instead of .com. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, .org is better anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I think it is. It says something. It says yeah. something. Yeah. And hopefully listeners will say, yay, well, I got it. Took a look at, took house. I'm, I'm sorry. That's absolutely terrible. Um, But... <laughs> But your work is great. I, I meant like that joke is terrible. Well, thank well, you so much. Yeah. Well, I think I think if nothing else, that um, the cover <laughs> of the book is phenomenal, and people oh my God, yes. and people should go check it out just because it's such it's it's yeah. fantastic. Write that drastic <laughs> poem on it. You know, I hope people will do that and they'll send it to you. You know, they yeah. can fly overhead and drop it down on my house, Woo! right? Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Absolutely, because I'll put the your address, which you'll give to me, so for the public, right. you know, everywhere. Oh no, right, exactly. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that'll be an interesting conversation with your hubby. Um, anywho, thank you so much again, Lauren, uh, for being on Assiduous Dust, and I hope to have you again sometime. Thank you, Joshua. This has been a very great pleasure. Of course, have a groovy grateful and productive day. Okay, you too. Bye. Bye. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome listeners to Assiduous Dust, episode number 13. I'm your host, Joshua Corwin. You are in for a treat today. Lots of grooviness. Um, it's now late November, and we have with us today the lovely Brianna Munoz, Munoz, and a bit about Brianna, for those of you who don't know. I've had the opportunity to meet and witness uh, Brianna uh, Reed. She's an incredibly talented individual and glad to have her here. So here's a bit about her. Um, Brianna Munoz is a writer from Southern California. She's the author of Loose Lips, a poetry collection published by Prickly Pear Publishing. That's in 2019. And her forthcoming collection, Everything is Returned to the Soul, to the Soil. I can't wait for it. Um, is going to be coming out soon. Um, really looking forward to that. Her work's been published in Dryland Literary Journal, Uh, Boundless, the anthology of the Rio Grande Valley International Poetry Festival, and much more, um, the Oakland Arts Review, many, many more. And when she isn't typing up stanzas, she enjoys cats, thrift stores, and live music. 
Well, thank you so much, Brianna. And, you know, I, I find myself, I've, I've grown fond of cats recently, but I found, like, dogs. I'm more into dogs. And I don't know, like, you know, is, uh, you know, what's, is there a story behind that? Because I, I don't know, you know, you know, also, do you, do you tend, can you enjoy cats while you're typing up stanzas? Like, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like they're not mutually exclusive. Uh, what's your I, stance on that? I don't know. I've seen like, um, there's a lot of those memes out there about, uh, all like poets need a cat on their desk, you know, like, um, but yeah, I, I am definitely a cat person over a dog person. Oh, okay. Well, I forgive you. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. And, and, you know, your, your, your poetry is lyrical and it has this, this very, you know, so I, I know that live music, music is important as well as, you know, it doesn't say in your, in your bio, but you're incredible dancer and mm-hmm. I know that dance is and movement is really important to your work and I guess expressing how you kind of I don't know you know the rhythm and you know it kind of has emotion you know uh, I, I guess this is a rather convoluted or complex question but for me my poetry kind of it's not just poetry in that it's just on the page it's a whole performance it's this whole thing there's a movement there's a rhythm there's mm-hmm. a prosody there's a whole thing i wonder how dance uh has influenced your poetry and in turn your um especially uh you know your culture as well as you know how you express yourself and grow from your own work and bring that out in terms of activism. I know you do activism as well. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, just like maybe just pick one part of that and we'll go with there and see <laughs> yeah. what happens. Yeah. Um, well, it's interesting. I've, I've um, actually, my mom's a dance teacher, so I mm-hmm. was born into dancing. Um, I've been dancing since I could walk. Um, but it's a, I and I like have thought about this. Um, a lot of people ask me if I uh, am nervous when I have a reading, mm. um, or you know, uh, an open reading, or just performing in general. But I, I think like growing up dancing and always on a stage has helped me like with um, you know just um, I am a performer, and you are absolutely I would say a performance poet here <laughs> too. That's great. But um, yeah, I think as far as uh, rhythm in my poetry, I would compare it more to song um, mm. versus like dance. You know, I think kind that, of like uh, song and lyric. Then. Right. Yeah. Um, but and then the other interesting thing is I, I translate a lot of my poetry into Spanish. Mm. Uh, this new collection will be bilingual. That's and, everything's returned to the soil. Right. And um, so, yeah, translating, that's another uh, conversation, right? Translating into a different language and still having the, the rhythm of your uh, original piece. It's, that's been an interesting uh, project. <laughs> yeah, and I, I guess certain parts of... Um, you know, I've had maybe 
you know, a couple things translated, particularly there's an individual who I'm going to have on for a later point, uh, Misty Milwee, who does stuff with uh, uh, Sequoia Cherokee um, with uh, with the uh, Sala CC. But yeah, with but with uh, the Cherokee syllabary and it's interesting the way that kind of looks and also if you think about the sound for spanish uh, uh, i you know you also look at the etymology of words and certain things that words kind of take their on their own light their own meaning they say something they have power and there's power from sound um you know and how that you know does that you know that a poem even if it's translated completely like you know pristinely into another a different yeah. language the, the meaning might change because of the historical context of certain words right Absolutely. And, and I don't know have you found that when you're translating your work has anything has that ever like influenced you to like look into your heritage or to look dive deep or kind of reflect on the world around as well as like language itself and your relationship <laughs> with it I, I'm, I'm curious and I'm sure the listeners are as well yeah well first I, I do have to also say I've been working with um, a really awesome friend of mine her name is um, Ana Maria Flores she mm. um, she was actually my mom's dance teacher which is oh, wow. wild but she's um, a professional translator and mm. also um, a Spanish liter- literature uh, teacher I believe so she's been great in like translating everything mm-hmm. um, and I, I work with her closely on that too but um, yeah definitely um, it's also uh, what I've you know I've gone to um, I went to the Cuban uh, poetry the, in, the Cuban International Poetry Festival um, in Havana Cuba and um yeah, even just performing in Spanish, that's, uh, that's also, uh, yeah, it, and definitely. It takes on a different feel, a different, like, right. kind of a, a experience. as uh... Right, yeah, and all, my Spanish, I, you know, Spanish was my first language, but I mm-hmm. don't ever really speak it anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit, uh, it's a little, it's a little bit rusty, and I think also performing in Spanish, like having someone that is insanely fluent in Spanish. Um, if if you're late, you know, if like my Spanish speaking skills aren't 100 percent, the message also kind of gets lost mm. um, to your audience, I think. So that it's been. Yeah, that's one thing I've observed as yeah. far as language and poetry go. Yeah, so, you know, it's interesting, and in a way, um, you know, you have to dive, I guess I'm asking it, it, you know, do you have to dive into, I don't know, you know, what does that say about, um, about communication and kind of the universal message of poetry, that in fact, is there... Are there aspects that I guess there are aspects that are lost in translation and in performance? You really need to embody. And I guess, mm-hmm. you know, or do you become, I don't know, a different person? I've always find it interesting in terms of phenomenology. 
and and I know much of your work is, you know, political and cultural as well as, um, you know, based experiential and very narrative driven uh, using unique language. And I wonder how, you know, how have you like shaped and become a different person as you grow as a writer and mm-hmm. as you work with language, I guess, or just, right. you know, um, how has that, you know, if you could just maybe mention a couple, I don't know, like just a couple different experiences. Um, I don't know that come to mind where like who you were at a certain time mm-hmm. and you know, where you were just like paint the scene for us yeah. and, and how that's changed, you know, at a few different times. Yeah. Well, Sorry, I that's think, a that's a strange question. <laughs> However, no, you interpret that. Yeah. Um. So that just it makes me think about the comparison with my first poetry collection, Loose Lips, uh, versus mm-hmm. this new one. Like, you, if you read both of them, there's just like insane growth. I think. Um, in my writing and you can just, and you see it as, you know, like myself as an individual as well. My second collect, my first collection, first of all, it's, um, I would, I would say it's about, um, it, I, there was a point where I could not stop writing about, um, like matters of love or heartbreak, which is like, very cheesy to me, but <laughs> I was just interested with this idea of um, how how people love and what that meant to me. And so that's a lot. And um, also like uh, t- the topic of addiction and uh, loving people with addiction and the addiction to to people and how when they exit your life, how what that means. And so that's a lot of my first collection. Um, or my first book but when uh so my second book it's very much about who I am now um you know after finding Aztec dancing and uh Mm -hmm. being a lot more connected to culture and it's a lot more political I would say Mm. so it's just like huge it's like what happened in this one you know time span of a year where it's it's just like different ends, but right. But you know, I I, I I don't know. I get from it. There's a bit of politics in your first work, but maybe it just comes out more. Right. Um, like I don't know. I I guess in a way, it's saying of something political. I I know someone who says that you know all poetry is really political. You can't mm-hmm. escape that. Actually, that was an interview of something that I read of uh, who was it who said that it's uh, uh, Luis Rodriguez. Um, of Tia Chucha, um, Tia Chucha's, yeah, I Tia think Chucha, I've, yes. I've heard Black. that too, yeah. yeah, yeah, and he said that, and I'm like, that's, that's interesting, because, mm-hmm. you know, there, there, you know, things, there are individual, there are places, I don't know, and I'm not a fan of this, they're like, they try to stray as much away from politics as possible, and I'm right. like, you know, is that limiting, and what does that say, what message are you promoting when there's a place that is, is restrictive, um, yeah. Well, know. some some artists believe like um, that their art or their writing or their music is like an escape from the political. But I don't know. I mean, like living in our time in this political climate, like how do you, how do you? It's yeah. just such a huge 
huge influence on every part of our lives, I think. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's funny, you know, um, you know, I, I'm curious, do you have, uh, would you care to, uh, I have a cheesy way to, to read this, uh, would you, um, extravaganza supernova us with a, 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 honestly, if somebody comes up with a better way to say this, a little weird ways to say, would you share a poem? Would you, uh, <laughs> extravaganza supernova us with, uh, a poem political of, uh, uh, that you, that you've been working on, uh, you know, perhaps if you'd like from your, from your latest collection that kind of explores the, these ideas that we're, we're, we're delving into. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. So, um, this poem, I always like to like give a little bit of background because it's a little funny to me, but I bought a, I was, you know, at Target bought a writing prompt notebook that they had I found and the first page that I flipped to said write a poem describing your thoughts on war Hmm. so it's called my poem isn't a persuasive essay how many more poems do we need to write until the children are hopscotching feet against white lined shapes against asphalt rather than in cages? How much longer do we continue psychotically scribbling, smash the patriarchy, no war with Iran, water is life, black lives matter, give the poor kid medical attention, the cold floor is no place for their last breath, goddammit. How many more hands angrily performing stanzas, lips releasing spit of rage and helplessness? Poets stand up because, because we hardly know how else to help because if we don't vomit out metaphors, it might be my breakfast. Poets stand up in response to your lack of credibility. Toddler president tweets, my lord, my poem isn't a persuasive essay for your vote. My poem is a cry for help, released by pen and page. My poem is a shout, it is an airstrike to your country club. How many more Langston Hughes? How many more grandmothers holding signs that read, I can't believe I'm still protesting this shit. How many more Maya Angelos? How many more Allen Ginsbergs? Howls of anti-war? How many more John Lennon's? Bedins for peace? How many more banned books? Your White House is filled with cisgendered white men, dominating mother of Marion Fishnets underneath her faintly blue mantle. Donald Trump, oh how I've grown sick of that name regulating uteruses, teasing her clit with your AR-15s, blood on fingertips. My poem isn't a persuasive essay on gun control, but how many more children? Answer me, this isn't a rhetorical question. How many more poets? How many more martyrs? How many more pipelines? How many more oil spills? How much more spilled blood? How many more traumatic brain injuries until your stomachs feel satisfied? How many more doors do my small Knuckles need to knock on. Write a poem describing your thoughts on war. Ooh, that's there is so many great lines in there. I love that. Of what was it with the clit and AR fifteen? AR. Can you read that again? Teasing her clit with your AR fifteens. Yeah, that's that's a great you know line. And there's another that really stands out to me, which was. 
where you mentioned vomit. Um, if I don't, if we don't vomit out med, uh, metaphors, it might be my breakfast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and and that's the thing. Um, you know, I find that, and, and you know, I was. Let's see how this ties into what we we're saying about language and everything. Um, maybe you'll maybe you'll come up into translation. We'll see. Let let's see. Let the let the spirit guide you know guide us <laughs> yeah. the great the the great shaman X you know the you know you got to put an X over the A I, I'm not sure I'm not <laughs> sure um yeah anywho uh <laughs> yeah you know you know thank you for sharing that and, and it's really an interesting piece uh, I I find that it says a lot. Um, and particularly that this notion that that uh, I was listening to um, to what is it uh, Rosemary I'm gonna completely mess up her name uh, what is it Rosemary Wall uh, Rosemary Trauma Rosemary uh, Watola uh, Trauma um, who's a great poet. Uh, I was listening to her TEDx talk earlier today mm. on um, the series about metaphor and how that kind of your use of metaphor and language, I guess, shapes your perception and how you, you know, perceive in terms shapes. So if you use m- more metaphor or, or how you shift the importance and utilizing your metaphor, in fact, will change the way you experience reality and then in turn what you can write and draw based on that or uh, and your relationship to that it's interesting that you know in fact that you know if you have I don't know if if you are going through certain experiences or if you know based off of certain events or Mm -hmm. the political climate that we're in or times these influence every little minutia of our of our perception that we're exposed to and you know how in fact you know some of our metaphors might be I guess become political and we might see a political lens visually we might see politics visually in the world and perhaps there isn't any but we project onto it and we extract Mm -hmm. it and we take this and perhaps we see divisions where there aren't divisions but perhaps there are divisions in places where we don't see it based off of our use of language and I wonder and my question is I guess you know I guess this is for an open dialogue that might I know this is a long question but might also translation as well shift the um the capacity of different uses of metaphor or ways to uh, express things that you, you know aren't capable in another language. For example, if you're, I guess, in Spanish, that there for which there is, you can't really get that across in English. Um, I know there are in some other languages, but I'm just curious in how that then shapes your how you experience the world. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious if you've kind of, oh no, I'm I'm just thinking aloud, and I'm just <laughs> you know kind of going back to translation. Um, right. What are your I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Have you thought about that? And I don't know. No, uh, I I think I need to hop on this TED talk <laughs> and uh, listen to that too. But no, yeah. um, no. It, but 
I see what you're saying. And, and it kind of reminds me, I don't know why I was sitting here thinking about, um, like the idea of manifesting, like your, your, uh, language and even like poetry, uh, be, I, I'm like really big on manifestation and, Mm -hmm. um, I guess like what, you know, what's released becomes our reality. Mm -hmm. I, it was very similar to what you were saying, I guess. Um, Yes. Yeah. That's kind of, yeah, that's what I'm saying and how that kind of, you're, you're then aware of this. It's going to be revealed. And, um, so you were saying about that and manifestation and how that's, you know, would you say also there's been the, I'm not sure, the process or style of manifestation, I guess, has shifted shifted while working on your, uh, while working on everything is returned to the soil, like completely versus mm-hmm. uh, loose lips. And, you know, perhaps if there's experience of, you know, you know, illustrating that, um, even when you're not even working on the book, but <laughs> yeah. during that interval of time. Yeah, when, um, I'd say so. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, yeah, definitely. Well, yeah. And, uh, like I was mentioning that the book is very, um, a little bit more spiritual as well. Mm-hmm. So that's a topic I think that is in there, um, and you'll read a little bit about. Um, but what do you think about the? Ooh. <laughs> I read I, just because we're on this topic, but um, mm-hmm. I've read about poetry, um, poetry as manifestation. Like, do you? As a form of bringing that, as a form of seeing the world differently, as a form of manifesting a different. Right. Or even. I'm 100% that's kind of, you know, I don't look at poetry as just this thing that's spoken or this thing that's on the page. You know, life in a way is movement. You know, I guess life is dance. You know, I was interviewed mm-hmm. in a thing. I guess you're kind of asking me a few questions, but <laughs> flip, why not? Flip yeah. it around. No, yeah. I, I think I said that God, I was interviewed for something. I said that God is a groovy, it might be just a groovy poet. You know, I think I said on acid. I can't remember. <laughs> but um, that yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, might as well. But in all seriousness, I believe that, you know, there's, that when you engage in poetry, poetry can also be a lived way of going about the world. And as a result, that kind of shifts how you interact with it. And I guess in turn, then who you are as the one that's engaged in the world. Mm-hmm. And so of, I don't see, for me, when people, I feel like we should be learning. We should be growing in our work, um, you know, for me, when somebody writes the same way and the same style all the time for me, I'm like, why? It's a little bit impressive, and it's also a little bit like you're pulling your hair over it. Yeah, I feel that it's important to be able to, once you master something, it's like, okay, like, go to the new thing, go to the right. next stage. And so I really admire how you um, how you kind of delve into that. I think that's important as um, an individual, uh, as a writer, because a lot of people, 
I don't know, you know, it's like, you know, as you know, like reading is kind of a never stop thing to write. It's like one of those keys to success. I wonder kind of how did you get involved? I want I want to also maybe jump around for a bit. I want to mm-hmm. go into with the uh, Rio Grande uh, Valley International Poetry Festival and how you kind of got involved in that. And, you know, for other individuals, because that's something that's a really big thing to uh, to get into yeah. and dive into and how, and how you kind of got immersed in the that world for others that might want to, uh, you know, who are, you know, inspired to dive in whatever way and kind of the dive head first. Around. Yeah, exactly. Into that <laughs> world. And if you could share some of your experience about that or maybe a couple experiences that come to mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the... Um, Boundless Anthology, I actually got involved with that. Um, Fla- Edward over at Flower Song um, Books, Flower Song Press, <clears throat> um, they're out of Texas, I believe. Um, he He's great. Um, also a really awesome poet that you should have on here, maybe. <laughs> okay, but, yeah. He, um, yeah, submit. I think it's a yearly um, call for submissions. So okay, is there uh, a w- website? Uh, I will be sure to put that information down. But also, if you happen to know it or whatnot, yeah. so that way listeners could be able to do that. That'd be great. I believe it's just Flower Song. Um, if you go onto their website, Flower Song Books. Okay. Um, they they've been publishing a lot of really awesome. They're highlighting a lot of like the Latin cheek on X uh, poets out there in the world. <laughs> um, they published I, Matt Cedillo, um, uh, Greece uh, Munoz. Actually, we have the same last name. Oh. Um, I believe. Uh, uh, David Ramirez is, I believe, mm-hmm. his name. He just uh, dropped a new book. They, yeah, they've been doing awesome work. But yeah, flowersongpress.com. Um, they, you can find this, the call for submissions on there for that. But it's also, it's just a fun, it's a really small world I'm finding out. Um, the, so the question about how I kind of got into this, um, I've, been, I've been writing poetry since I can remember um even I like think back and um there's one specific memory I was just bored with a friend killing time in like fourth grade and I would ask her for a topic to write about and she was like now now thinking back I'm like this was like you know poetry prompts that I was asking her for but um (laughs) she would say like oh uh, write about love so I would write a poem about love or like uh, write um, about uh, I don't know what <laughs> what do our like 10 year old minds think of but um so I've been writing write about handball yeah <laughs> I don't know yeah write about recess recess but, yeah yeah so I've been writing for quite some time but when I really started getting involved in the writing uh, community mm-hmm was um, my um, Sonia Gutierrez. She is out of San Diego. 
Um, <clears throat> she's actually my, my, my mother's friend and yeah. my mom got us connected, but, yeah. um, Sounds like the secret is to have your mother as <laughs> your mother. As so, everybody just Moms adopt adopt uh, Brianna's mom. <laughs> yeah, and as everything your mom. will be good. <laughs> they, anyway, but yes. Yeah, you. she. Um, so Sonia was like, "Oh, you write poetry? Like, let's sit down." It was really awesome of her, um, and I think you know, I'm as I'm getting old. I'm. I mean, I'm 27, but as I'm you know, um, growing as a poet and as just a human being, I think to serve in that way to other people is so important too. But so she sat down with me for coffee and just, we spoke about poetry, about publishing, about the topic of self-publishing versus a press. And it's important to have that, you know, Uh, you know, like I, you know, there was this dude, and I had no clue who he was at the time. I just thought, oh, this is some booby nice dude. And I'm like, hey, man, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm Michael C. Ford. And, and he, like, happened to, you know, sit down, and we, we got – he was in the area in Westwood, California, um, and just, like, sat down, and he, like, I shared him something. And then he kind of, like, ripped the poem apart. And I'm like, what? And he's also saying this thing of, like, you know, most of the places, you know, it's 90-10, you know, they're most places or whatever – don't take this kind of stuff and certain things and this is what you want to do and certain stuff and like mm. talked about that. Oh, and it's good to have yeah. that kind of to have people along the way and, and you don't kind of appreciate it until, you know, later looking yeah. back, I guess, you know, right. um, I don't know. I, I feel like there are a lot of people also who don't, um, um, I guess it's harder to do that or maybe not given the pandemic. Yeah. Um, but I guess there's more drive for, I guess, online groups or online um, uh, critiques or as well as just like, but there's nothing like that one-on-one connection. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> there will be socializing and gathering soon and poetry readings galore. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, um, not to sidestep, uh, our side back to that you were, so you were, um, discussing with Sonia? Yeah, so that was when I, I think after that, that was, like, a really big moment in my mm. writing poetry, uh, journey, I'd say, because after that, I just got even more excited about poetry, and, mm. um, I think I, she encouraged me to submit somewhere, and, um, from there, I just, I got introduced to more people in the writing community and um, yeah. And I'm finding that like every, everyone just is so like this, um, the flower song press that I was talking about, Sonia Mm -hmm. actually got also just released a book published under them. So it's just like all connected somehow. Yeah. It's been yeah, really... it's a it's a web, it's a network, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with the concept of uh, I'm, this. I might not have that great a grasp of it of uh, Indra's net or Indra's web. That everything, it's like there's this multi-dimensional, you know, or infinite dimensional spider web diamond mm-hmm. thing in the spider web that is the universe, and everything's kind of connected. 
It's like these notions of God shots that everything's mm -hmm. connected. I think that when other people su succeed, I guess um, that's great because, you know, you kind of you have that joy in you. And that's yeah. like, you know, it inspires you, you know. Yeah, 100 percent. Yeah. And so but um, how did that of the of uh, this Texas press of uh, mm -hmm. how did that, um, you know, going back to the boundless to boundless, mm -hmm. how did um, I don't know, because a lot of people like you go out to a different country to to read something and you're like, you know, whoa, what what what's going on? What, what's you know that that's something that I think a lot of people would be like I guess that doesn't just happen overnight and like you said I guess it's this whole community and connection that I guess yeah. you're saying that you don't really do it alone right absolutely yeah just the idea of those mentors out there and networking and community mm. um but through yeah through those same uh, poetry friends, I, um, speaking about, um, that's how I got involved in the Cuban, uh, poetry festival and traveled, uh, over that way with really awesome poets. Um, Odilia Galvan Rodriguez, uh, organized a, um, group of poets to go over there from the U.S. And it was like a, I'd say a poet's dream. It was like seven days, I believe, of just poetry readings back to back to back. Wow. That's like um, poet Woodstock something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And everyone's just like sweaty because <laughs> humid. <laughs> and there were, these were like such rad poetry readings, like where one, the one reading I went to, there, um, the mic the power went out. So everyone just improvised and was reading, you know, it's just like, or, um, or rum, <laughs> serving rum, like right, right before the poetry reading. Um, um, yeah, just all sorts of that, that's really talented poets. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> really talented poets, but just like, all around great vibes <laughs> yeah and that, that's important and you know to kind of have this certain atmosphere I think is important and kind of again that that you know I guess that I'm not sure I, I think that it, it, it's important to have you know a sense of community and that's really important and a sense of coming together to engage in something mm -hmm. you know and I guess you know poetry it's funny because poetry, I don't know for me, that a lot of the time it's written in isolation. Right. I guess, you know, you kind of go somewhere off or I guess you could be in the middle of the city or whatever, mm -hmm. depending, you know. And yeah. there's a lot of poetry that's also written in nature and different things. I just wonder kind of how, you know, is there a place you go to or kind of how do you engage of like, you know, I'm going to do this. This is something that I need to write. You know, I, I don't know. Yeah. What's your relationship with the muse? And how is that kind of, I don't know, affected certain things about you that uh, that uh, has helped you grow as a person and as a poet? 
Yeah. Um, well, it's a rather vague question, <laughs> I guess. However yeah. you choose that. <laughs> well, as you know, I mean, poetry is just inspired by anything at any time. Um, mm. I just like, what for one example, I, um, I'm actually pretty new to LA. Um, I don't mm. know if you knew that, but um, so just like, and he, I think I would say LA is just so, so much, it's filled with like so much movement. So there's like, but I was driving around um, East LA uh, <laughs> and this inspired a poem, but, um, and like just watching, um, watching a random man on the side of the road um, or, you know, on the street sidewalk feeding um the pigeons like had a big bag oh. of food but he was just feeding these street pigeons in LA and I was I like was driving and sometimes don't do this I'm not encouraging did you <laughs> like pull over to the side of the road or did you write a poem while you were driving <laughs> yeah I'll like I'll record myself while I'm driving because yeah, I can't it's a great technique you know the thought will like leave your brain so quickly so right you gotta get it before it's dead you know you know so you gotta feed that pigeon you gotta (laughs) feed those pigeons but yeah and that's also the idea of technology I mean like there's nothing like you know pen to page but um but like I right now my process is like when a Mm -hmm. thought or a line or an image enters Mm -hmm. my brain I'll just pull out my phone and type it into my notes right and then I'll go back to it later once I'm at home Mm. or and kind of work on it and you'll kind of have like different things and piece it together it's funny you know for me something that I've done and I try to I have like a stack of things of napkins that (laughs) I'll find like I'll be eating some food I'll have a napkin I'm like Oh shoot! And I'll have a pen on me. I'll just write on <laughs> yeah. a napkin for some oh, reason. I don't like know. Like an old napkin. <laughs> yeah, it, it'll get messed up. So you kind of really have to find a way to preserve the napkin. Yeah. You know, you have I to, have a you, lot of napkins. Or else he'll go here. and he'll take a nap. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So there you go. But um, yeah. You know, I find that that's interesting. And you know, you know, we we talked about uh, translation, but also you know of uh, uh, transcription. And how does um, transcribing and how does, you know, if you're recording a poem, it's like, how do the lines work? How do you do that? And mm-hmm. that's something that, you know, I have beside me is uh, of Ginsburg's improvised poetics. And he had like something that he talked about that you have a click of a tape recorder or something. It's like click, you know, every time. So that kind of determined mm-hmm. for different things while he was kind of meditating or doing some form of pasana or whatnot. Um or uh, Ayurveda uh, and, um, and 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 kind of looking and you know get a, po- a th- poem thought and just put it down and and so but I guess you don't what if you're using a smartphone or whatnot you mm-hmm. you don't really have that that click if right. you're like oh, I just want to get it down just get it down mm-hmm. so how does that work when you're then you know with with meter uh, or with lines and how does that you know, does that inform at all, you know, looking at the content that, you know, oh, shoot, like this kind of goes over or no, I want mm-hmm. this, this together, these images or whatnot. Um, you know, how, how is, is your process for editing? 
for editing and transcribing? Um, maybe how, 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 you know, what has, how has that morphed or changed? Um, yeah, um, that's a good question. I don't know. I guess your relationship to editing, <laughs> as well as with transcription and whatnot. It's basically like, what's yeah. your relationship to editing? How's it changed? That this is a simple way. I, I'm I long-winded. <laughs> I need to edit my own self, but I will not be silenced. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm honestly not a huge editor. I don't know, and mm. I should, I should be maybe, but. I don't think I'm a patient person, <laughs> and I'm definitely not a perfectionist. Oh, um, uh, well, it can be a curse, honestly. <laughs> yeah. You know, I find it's like either I'm super perfectionistic or I'm like don't care and it's whatever. So sometimes it's like I need to turn it on or off at times. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, mm-hmm. I think um, you – I think – I believe one time um, we were out reading together. <laughs> you actually – I think you – asked me like do you workshop your your po your poetry and I mm-hmm. I don't really even do that <laughs> huh. I think yeah which I think is so valuable but I just I'm like a very lazy poet I don't know <laughs> mm. um but I mean I definitely I don't not edit I I do edit um but it's like when you're getting something ready yeah to and, Ready to release, yeah. Um, yeah. But that poem that um, my poem isn't a persuasive essay. That was right. one that one of like the only ones I've asked to be workshopped, mainly because I I felt like that is a poem that has been written so many times already, and I didn't want it to sound like everything else. Right. Um, you want it to be unique. You want it to uniquely express what you're trying to say rather yeah. than just, you know, you know, haphazardly sound like someone else. Right. But I think that's also what that poem is about. Like how many more of these poems do we need mm. to keep writing? Like how many more war poems? And it, and what does that say about, I guess, uh, about about you know what what's that say does that say something about society and kind of the times we live in it's like oh another war poem also you know that's an interesting thing like what does that say yeah yeah it's very much my frustration in the form of a poem but yeah yeah Yeah, so you know is it limiting to you know that you know oh want the new 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 shiny new thing is that is that limiting is and is that actually perhaps even more and more influenced by kind of our desire for maybe our materialism you kind of like go and you drive and you see all these neon signs and whatnot or I don't know you know you're like oh shiny new things or whatever commercials and stuff you know does that get influenced in oh, I gotta stand out I gotta really stand out I need to say this in a new way of certain things, are we kind of negatively influenced for a positive change by that? I don't know. Yeah. I'm just thinking out loud. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Well, we are doing a quite a bit of work <laughs> this year, um, mm. you know, with all that's been going on. But right, right, we're working toward it. 
we're working toward it and we'll see what happens. You know, this kind of has been recorded, you know, in the past, in the past, mm-hmm. according to when it's released. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're right now, when you're listening to this, you're going in a time capsule and we'll <laughs> see what happens. You know, I, I recorded for Rick, <laughs> for Rick Lupert and Rick Lupert had, um, he had um, said something and I'm like, oh, you know, hey, this was, I think we had recorded something in January or whatnot. It's like, or, yeah, or January, or like beginning of February. It's like, yeah, you know, there could be, you know, there could be no traffic on the 405 <laughs> and it could be just a speedway or certain things. And then it's like oh released gosh. after for the beginning of the pandemic and stuff. And it's like, holy moly, <laughs> what did we do? Did we just predict the future? Um, <laughs> this Rick uh, Looper, is he a clairvoyant? <laughs> yeah, I think he is. He, he is definitely a clairvoyant. Um, so I wonder, would you like to read... Um, you know, do you have uh, uh, a piece that you've been perhaps working on or something? Maybe it's not fully finished, uh, it's fully formed or whatnot that you that I'm curious that if you'd share something new that you've been working on, um, not necessarily it doesn't have to be uh, part of everything is return to the soul. Um, you know, I'm just curious if there's something that kind of delves into these topics that we've uh been doing that you would poeticize or <laughs> yeah. would would yeah um poemize for us let's see um i'll read i uh this was written uh and it's actually pretty insane that uh, this feels like it was just written but hmm. um at the beginning of the um you know coronavirus lockdown Mm-hmm. I was uh, hanging out with a uh, at a friend's art studio, and I just this was just I guess what came out of my brain. But um, so March sixteenth, two thousand twenty, in a friend's art studio during the coronavirus lockdown in Los Angeles. Power to the poets. Power to the punks. Power to the women breastfeeding on public benches. Long live the accordion at the backyard gig and the organ pedals and the womb that created small fingers. Power to the kids marching for something they only slightly believe in because at least they're not sitting with their silence. Bless the alcoholics in recovery and the bum asking for change on the Venice Beach boardwalk because at least he's being honest. Bless the nun, bless the escort, bless the junkie, bless the priest who doesn't molest small children, or maybe fuck him too by association. Glory be to the saggy breasts of my grandmother and to the uncircumcised penis and the teeth that accidentally graze it. Praise the pen who tells the truth. Praise the pen that rhymes and the keys slammed in a depressive episode. Hail the unpublished poet who burns his prose. Fuck the pretentious. Praise the woman. Praise the denim dyke. Praise the lipstick of the femme and the non-binary and the transgendered. Power to the paint and the brush and the blank canvas. Power to your inner to your inner monologue as it is poetry in itself. 
power to this page and the weeping that showers it. Holy, the Planned Parenthood clinic and the pro-choice assistants who escort young women in. Sacred, the prayers sang by the ancestors and their incense. Power to the shaman and the elders and the wisdom of the fuego. Power to the scoundrel and the whiskey that they bathe in. Holy, 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 the peyote and the mushroom and the psychedelic sapo and the gambo. Power to the teacher who works a second job. Sweet, sacred, the cuffed, pant-legged hipster and the music. Power to the children who grow into their curiosity versus against it. Power to the parent who is present. Power to the people. Mm. There is so much going on there. <laughs> I like it. There's, it's, it's very, uh, it has a very uh, Ginsburg vibe. Of, uh, I, very, think, I think yeah. I was reading a lot of <laughs> Alan Ginsburg. I, I, I have, I have uh, you know, because it matches kind of this coffee table thing. I have Allen Ginsberg's improvised poetics, which mm. you don't have. It's a great thing to have. They it actually, there's only a few libraries that have a certain edition of it. But it's the small little thing that's great next to the 50th anniversary edition of Howl with the, you know, the whole facsimile and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's like it matches perfectly with this coffee table, <laughs> the way it looks. So it's like you got I have it there, but, I, you know, I read it, some of it, a lot of it, and it's it's just great. Yeah. And, and you know, you have uh, what was it? There, There's. Something in the beginning with regard to the Venice uh, of the the bombing in Venice, because <laughs> at least he's being honest. Yeah. And, and that's important. I, I think that's that's tr- that line really stands out, um, you know, and there, there's kind of, uh, you know, we, we are wearing masks in these day and age, mm-hmm. and, you know, but it's interesting, you know. That you can also look at a mask in a way of, you know, and we're fighting a disease that is invisible. Uh, and yet, you know, are we visibly masked as well as invisibly masked? And we're kind of not being honest mm. and we're just standing there, you know. I don't know. I don't know. It kind of makes me think about that. It makes yeah. me think about that. And, and it's... You know, and I can kind of see that of, you know, it's very interesting. You weren't tripping on on psychedelics there, were you? No. I don't think that time I was, no. (laughs) No? Okay. There you go. Yeah. So, I wonder, um, Brianna, would you like to um, engage in our invisible penicillin segment that is advertised under a masked clown wearing band-aids for arms that is, that is floating off into the sun and saying la di da da also known as uh, OTSCP, the OTSCP on the spot collaborative poet poem segment of assiduous dust <laughs> would you I, I i believe that i asked you to um have a few books laid out and open for that mm-hmm. i'm yeah. ready 
Okay. Okie dokie. Well, folks, um, what we uh, do is I uh, and uh, Brianna and I are going to engage in the OTSCP. Uh, make sure to be friendly to any clown or whatever that you're engaging in of doing this in. Um, and so Brianna has a few books out and open. I have a few books out and open, you know, so that there are two pages open for each. And what the name of the game for the OTSCP is I read like I read wherever my eyes gaze, uh, my eye, you know, whatever catches my eyes gaze. I see a word, let's say primary, and then I see land and it's on the same page. And then I see the word like northern intentions on another page and something. And I all of a sudden, so I just say whatever I see with my eyes bouncing around, utilizing my ADHD or whatnot. <laughs> and um, when there's an end of the breath, then it's, it's, you know, your turn, Brianna, and it goes back and forth until it kind of, until it kind of just uh, diverges or converges into a masterpiece or a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the name of the game. And, and first off, uh, would you go ahead and read the name, uh, you know, tell us what books you have out, the mm-hmm. authors and uh, titles? So I have three poems by uh, Michael McClure. Um, it's Dolphin Skull, Rare Angel, Dark Brown in it. And then we have Loose Woman, Sandra Cisneros. And another beat poet, uh, Heaven and Other Poems by Jack Kerouac. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yes. Okie dokie. Um, I like to say for me the page numbers for that. Um, if you want, you can say the page numbers uh, that you have out. Uh, so <clears throat> I am. Um, I have 185 for uh, this McClure book. I have page 62 for Loose Woman, Sandra Cisneros, and 18 um, for Jack Kerouac. Okay, awesome. Okay, so you're doing half page. Well, I have one page for each. Okay. Yeah. It's that and it's the page that comes after for this. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Gotcha. Yeah. I have, I have actually a few that aren't, um, I guess this one that isn't really so much poetry. This is, this is an interesting book. It's, uh, being together in place, indigenous coexistence in a more than human world by Soren C. Larson and JT Johnson. I have that out to, to, um, 136 and 137. It's uh, interesting. Uh, the signed material back in college. And then I have out uh, Foothill uh, Poetry uh, Journal, volume number nine. And this is a thing based out in Claremont, um, you know, in Claremont, uh, I, or in Claremont, California that they have this, uh, or upland area, that whole area, as part of their program, they do MFA only of individuals while they're in an MFA program, Mm -hmm. they can submit. So I have out um, pages 16 and 17, and 16 is Ellie Jackson, who at the time uh, that this was submitted was at the University of Edinburgh. Uh, uh, for an MSc uh, 
in creative writing and it's portrait of a girl based on the contents of her pocket. And the, the page afterwards is uh, by Bridget A. Lyons, um, who was at the time at Northern Arizona University, uh, engaged in an MFA creative writing program there. Um, and her piece is sliding into shoots. And then I have uh, Dion De Prima uh, from the, the Beat Book, uh, edited by uh, Ann Waldman. And I have that out too. So it's pages 28, 128 and 129. So it's fragmented address to the FBI and then le letter to Jean at Tassajara. And then it goes on to American Indian art form and tradition. So that's cool. Uh, Deandre Prima is a, a very groovy, um, you know, one of the, the beats that most people aren't aware of. And I wasn't as aware of before somebody got me into that. And then I have uh, uh, Gregory Corso. The, 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 this is a great thing. The happy birthday of death, uh, which is, I've been looking for a few months for this. And finally, I finally, I found it in a bag. I lost it when I moved and I found it. And that's to 21 to 26 and 27. Um, yep. 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 So do you want to start? Sure. Okie dokie. Awesome. Um, let's see. I know he knows that he is dying, still hopeless, still writing poems. I'll shoot 14 farthings for father McCree. Sanitary toilet seat tree art not fine the quill work rolling jeweled water shoe partnership. He bears his chest. Ah, Lorenzo, I'm a fool. Be cruel, I'll be cruel. Voyages of paper point the scent into shoots to smile in asia he climbs we were not fine in the dry heat as you step out knowing adventure when we dissolve in black sugar Kiss like a mosquito, bite that left of the old current tree splashing. Sun's pennies pierce modern constitutionalism missionaries. Ooh. And love bursts and the creature. I mix up the details of what happens. They take aim on little balls and break. It's all a dream spilled, hung over our masks in glass identities. And I leap up with the flint sword. Sit down, clown. For little children's names drawing. Space of history, unique treaty ter 
Tariti O Kitchen Scissors Sink the Stoop Stoutest Water Chew. Since all lives are forgotten, or sex or love, that old shoe, see, boom, and again, the battle blood, ooh. To relieve domestic rock, not generally voyaging, a copper lips cut keys. Sprawl history. Tewaharangi iwi. Stares at us in wonder, almost hypnotized. For pretty men, half of me alive. Of time and again, the bride and groom. Thinning lights. Riss moldy, my aunt of buttons, beads, zendo monuments marking future poetry delivery adds dramatically a bed of utensil unnegotiated headaches. And the roots of trees to meet at the center of the universe, bets being made, spittings out the window. The landscape of abstract negotiation. Stretch through when we meet again beside what river? and open it to a miniature pool hall. Sneak death back with a knock-out smile of bright beauty and new trench coat days. Making magic gestures in the air, even if eternity is simply one kiss, to wit time, to wit bird, to wit dust. To cut off yesterday in terms of partnership. His shit pours. Eternity or bust, that's how it is with me. And he beat G.J. that time. Commemorating his control. Where all the gang is smoking and yakking. With what I witnessed inside my universe. I know that he is dying. Ha! Ha! Huh. Ward the magic off with a thought that kiss could be a universe. The winter man in my tree has seen
extreme God flashed in song. Now our sorrow, well documented, took place alive traditions of local crown. Marori. No, 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 no. Touch here or press there. But this was no poem, only mosquitoes. And I go up to my closed smoky door. Ooh, that's a great place to end it. Yeah. Yay. We had some good lines in there, I think. Yeah, that, that's a great one. So what I'll do, uh, thank you so much for, I like how you put clown in there. <laughs> um, yeah, so what I'll do, what I do is I type this up and, you know, don't delete or insert any words, you know, maybe some punctuation line format, and I'll send that to you and you can share to the world or whatever. I'm actually putting together an anthology. So listeners, hopefully you'll be able to see these uh, beautiful, glorious uh, <laughs> OTSCPs. And Brianna, thank you so much, Brianna Munoz, for being here um, uh, engaging in the OTSCP and sharing your work and for the honor to interview you. You're an incredible uh, poet and amazingly talented. I wonder, would you uh, share any, are there any links um, to your sites or social media that you'd like to, you know, share now for the listeners? You know, I... <laughs> Um, just my Amazon, uh, my book is available on Amazon. Um, so you can just search Loose Lips by Brianna Munoz on Amazon if you want to read some of my work. Um, as far as my social media, I am on Instagram as a woman of words where um, I post a lot of my poetry on there too. Um no website right now, but thank you for having me. Um, I will take a couple copies of that anthology once it's out. Okay. Well, I will keep you posted. Thank you so much again and have a groovy day, Brianna. Thank you. Bye. Well, that's a wrap, folks. I'm your host, Joshua Corwin. It's been a real pleasure. You've listened to the amazing, great Lauren Camp and Brianna Munoz. Please support their work. Support your local artists. Purchase and buy, buy, buy. They're great, lovely, amazing individuals. I'm honored to have them on my show. And I hope you please do check out Next Assiduous Dust, Assiduous Dust, episode number 13.5 with Doug Holder and Jason Wright. It'll be real groovy and available on YouTube as well as audio podcasts. Until then.